All right, everyone, welcome back to Hockey Prospect YouTube channel, or if you're listening on audio, welcome back to HockeyProspect.com podcast channel. Uh, I'm Jérôme Birbet, I'm joined by Brad Allen for today's special episode. Hey, Brad. Hey, Jérôme, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, we have a special uh, episode today. Um, we're going to preview the 2024 World Junior Hockey Championship. So we're going to focus on the draft-eligible prospects that are going to play uh, in Sweden for two weeks. So Brad and I will go through every team, to, to, and we're going to talk about uh, about you know 10-plus prospects that are going to play in the tournament. Uh, just a heads up, we're recording on Monday, December 18th, so not every roster has been uh, finalized. Uh, so I think some team have about two or three cuts uh, remaining. Uh, so it's possible some of the some of the lesser known uh, prospects that we're going to talk about might get cut. But uh, anyway, you're going to get you get free info, so why complain? Um, So let's start, Brad, with um, Canada. Uh, they have one prospect to watch, and he's um, really good. Uh, his name is Macklin Celebrini, uh, most likely the number one pick in this year's draft. Um, I'll let you go. Let you start on Macklin. Okay, yeah, Macklin Celebrini. So last year. Uh, was a little more interesting right at the top because you had Bedard, but then you had Mitchkoff and Teeley and Carlson, and it was like, okay, how fast is Bedard going to separate himself? And it turned out the U-20s, I felt, was the defining tournament that really he launched himself in the stratosphere, and the rest were were two, three, four uh, in, in, in terms of trying to figure out their ranking. It was, number one was decided by Christmas is essentially what I'm saying. In Celebrini's case, I feel like the number one's been decided within the first week of the season. Like, I just feel he's ran away with this real quick. Uh, you know, there's some fantastic prospects in this draft, even in the top 10, 12, but there's, there's no, nobody's going to catch this kid. Uh, to give some perspective on his pedigree and upside, I feel like he's better than Adam Fentili at the same age. Uh, he's a smarter player than Fentili. Uh, he's just as well-rounded, if not more so. I think he's better defensively. He has a place of a complete 200-foot game. He has fantastic energy. He's physical. But he has nonce to his game. He knows how to actually pay attention to detail. He knows how to create space for his teammates. He knows how to operate within a system, and he knows how to make his teammates better. So uh, there is nothing missing. He's almost boring to me because he's too good. That's where we're at that stage where it's like, okay, just he's one and whatever. Uh, but, you know, I say that the last time I said that was Rasmus Deline in the redraft. He's not even number one right now. So maybe I should, maybe I should catch myself and wait it out a bit. But Celebrini is absolutely the most important component of Team Canada. And rarely do I say this, but I really feel Team Canada is a straight up underdog in this tournament. This is not that strong a team. So if they're going to win this, if they're going to do this, it will be completely dependent on if he has a Connor Bedard type of performance. He's not going to probably score as much, but if he can have the game, the game impact that Connor Bedard had at this event, then Canada has a chance. Uh, and if he plays poorly, I think Canada's in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think the the race for number one was like it was. It took one game, <laughs> what first game of the season I saw. I think they were playing Bentley. 
at Boston U and he was phenomenal. And um, I think I, I think I wrote in one of my report, um, if you have a chance to see Boston U this season play in the, in college hockey, go for it. They're worth the price of that mission, like Celebrini. And you have Leigh Knudsen also on the team. They're a really fun team to watch. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, um, like Brad said, and um, he's going to have to have, like, a major, major impact on this, on this team for Canada to 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 win gold. Um, you know, even last year, with as good as Bedard was, it was not an easy easy tournament for Canada. Like, they almost lost against Slovakia in the, in the quarterfinals. You know, Adam Gajan was just so good in that game. Um, so they're going to need, you know, Celebrity to really have, like, a big impact. I think he will. Like, the, the camp in Toronto, I, I was talking with Mark Edwards, and Mark was saying, you know, he was the best player in camp. And obviously some player didn't play all the games. The one that you know, the roster was, you know, they they knew in advance they were going to play. They, they didn't play them against the, the CIS team, but uh, I I expect Celebrini to have, like, a, a major impact in that tournament. And um, and uh, I'm, I'm curious to see who he's going to play with. Looks like Jordan Zumay was one of his uh, winger in camp, so that could be an interesting uh, combo. Um, Dume is a really good playmaker, uh, super intelligent, uh, lacks some speed though. So we'll see how the the lineup shapes up, um, you know, on uh, December 26th. Um, Czechia, uh, interesting. They have two first year draft eligible, uh, Adam Yerichek and Thomas Galvis. Um, so maybe Brad, let's start with uh, Yerichek. Who has not? It's, this has not been uh, a very smooth season for him. Um, he got hurt, uh, I believe, late in late November. A pretty big hit. Um, it, it looks like it was a concussion, but like I don't have the official uh, official word on, on that. But looks like he's ready to go for the for the tournament. Um, but like I said, not a super smooth uh, season so far for him. It's been a bit of a struggle in the in the men's league over there. Um, but he was, you saw him last year at the U18. He was really good as a underager. Uh, I thought he was good at the Elinka, but there's some part of his game that are, that are missing, including his shot. Uh, his shot is probably one reason why maybe his offense has, has not, you know, taken the next step. Um, and a bit of a slow start for him. Actually, you remind me of this a few weeks, a few uh, weeks ago. His brother David had the same kind of a slow start to his draft season. Um, so I, I, I really think this is a huge tournament for him to a bit, you know, bounce back from a, a, an average start of the year. Um, what's your, uh, what's your take on on him so far? I'm with you. I feel it's it's average, but uh, you know, you said it. You look at his brother. You, you got to give him time. Uh, the the thing that stands out to me is he's better than his production indicates. You know, he's not producing. He didn't produce at the U20 level when he was sent down. He he hasn't produced internationally that much. Uh, you look at him in Chechia in extra Liga. He's been up and down in terms of his consistency. But there's a there's a lot to like. He's got a complete package. 
he's well-rounded offensively. Uh, to Jerome's point, when you look at um, where he lacks a little bit, definitely velocity on his shot is one area. Um, so it's it's one of the reasons that he's not overpowering goalies on the power play when he gets set up for a, lot, a lateral one-timer, for instance. So that's one of the reasons he's not uh, scoring. Uh, but the, the big thing for me is, like his brother, his skating is not – where you want it to be just yet. Um, but like his brother, who's now developing Columbus, skating is getting there. We feel that Adams can too. So it's one of those situations where it's wait and see. But I also think this is a massive tournament for him. Uh, you know, it, as you said, he got injured. We don't know what it was, but it looked really bad. It was not a good hit to take. He was basically blindsided in open ice. It looked like a really bad hit. Uh, so you hope that, that's, that he's over that hit. And he's coming in fresh to this tournament and he does well because this is, again, this is, there's a lot of draft eligibles this year. I feel like this tournament is very important for, and he's right at the top of that list. Yeah. Um, the one other Czech defenseman that is on the same age group as him is Thomas Galvez, who is very, the, <laughs> they're very opposite uh, on the ice. Um, one is, Gavis skating is probably his best quality. He's also very small. Uh, he's about you know 5'10, 150 pounds. So not a huge guy. Tough, tough one to 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 uh to see this translate to the at the NHL level uh with at that size. Uh, but he does have the skating and he's pretty smart. But I think you you and I have talked about this before, but maybe the skill level is not um where it should be for a guy of his size you know it's tough if you look at last year's draft you have guys like Gudialiev um Molendijk um smaller D but their skidding was really good in Molendijk case it was phenomenal um but they have superior skill level that that Galvez has so it's tough to to rank Galvez that high but he's I would argue that he, he might have uh, outplayed Yerichek in, in some the two tournaments so far this season. Um, uh, what's your what's your take, uh, Brad, on on Galvis? My take is we're going to be perceived as dinosaurs, and that we should leave the industry because we don't have him ranked higher. Uh, so, like, okay, so I feel like this is a good opportunity to explain like why some smaller defense, but we just don't have as much time for as you'll see publicly or in the nonsense general consensus rankings that you'll see publicly. So the, the big thing with smaller defensemen for us is if you're going to be that small, for what Jerome said, you got you got to be unbelievably dynamic. You know, we, we just mentioned it uh, with Celebrini's teammate, um, Montreal's prospect, Jerome Helmer, what's his name again? I can't remember off the top of my head. Thank you. And then um, like players like Hughes, right? Like Quinn Hughes. You need to be absolutely dynamic at that size in order to be, for us, a perceived first-round pick, right? Um, the, the biggest issue with this kid, I've watched a lot of him now, the biggest issue is actually not his defense. You know, he actually defends relatively well, even in league play for his size at this age. He's, he can keep a larger players to the outside. He, he knows when to skate. Uh, he's not defensively unaware. Like if you, okay, so for instance, you, you contrast him to Zane Perrick, right? Zane Perrick legitimately doesn't know when certain types of offensive plays are being generated around him, right? The, he doesn't see plays unfolding. That is not Galvis's issue. So the, there is some good there on the back end when you try to project him as a NHL pro, but his execution rates aren't very good. So that's a huge problem. And then when he does execute, when you look at his peak performances, his peak play types and what they are, they're just not as dynamic as we 
feel they have to be in order to project him uh, where some people have him. And that's why he's a C grade for us. And he'll probably remain there unless he, I mean, let, don't get me wrong, if he crushes this event and his consistency rates go through the roof, and it does happen. I remember Gavin Brindley was not very good in the NCAA up until the U20s. Then he was fantastic at this event, then carried some of that over into the second half of the season. So it's a wait and see as it is for all these kids. In Galvez's case, if he dominate this event, which he's done well internationally already, and then continues to keep that level of consistency, that puts uh, uh, Mark and uh, Jerome and myself in a difficult position because then we have to really deal with a smaller player who looks like he could really play. Yeah. Also, like, you, you, look at him, you look at him and you look at the NHL playoffs, there's not many guys that look like him that end up being like very successful for NHL teams in the playoff. If you just look at the last few years, like unless you're and unless we are absolutely, absolutely like didn't do a good job scouting his talent level, <laughs> uh, you know, we don't see a guy that's going to be a, a difference maker um, offensively. Um, so that's. And like Brad said, the the defense is fine, but it's still it's he's still going to be there's going to be limitation of what he can do um, at the NHL level at his size. Um, doesn't mean he can't play, but to rank him like in the first round, it's really you know it doesn't it's not going to happen for us at least for now, unless he goes on a like Brad said he has a fantastic tournament. Maybe we can talk about it in January, but uh, as of now, it's not really the type of defenseman that we, we like to rank uh, too high in a draft. And um, I want to quickly mention, there's another defenseman uh, on this Cheka team, Thomas Silbuka, that plays in the queue. Uh, it's his third year of uh, eligibility for the draft. I think there's a decent chance that you might hear his name uh, called this season. Uh, this season for the draft in Vegas. Um, saw like his first two years, his first year in the queue at 17 was, he was, uh, not, not much to, to say about his first season. It was better last year. And then, um, he's been one of the best defensemen in the league this season. Um, he's a, he's an average size, about six feet, really good skater. Um, he was really good. In August, there was a four nation U20 tournament, and I saw him there. And I, and I said to myself, mm, This guy is gonna probably have a really strong year in the queue. He was, you know, he was, uh, he was very no- noticeable with his skating and, and offensive skills. So, and, um, so that's a, a name maybe to keep an eye on at the, at this tournament. Um, he might, uh, he might start getting some uh, draft buzz um, in the second half of the year. And I'm pretty sure he's going to get traded in a queue to a better team. So he was playing for, for Valdor, which is the second worst team in the league. And they have been in the bottom of the standing in a queue for every single season he's been in Valdor. So he has not been, you know, lucky to play on a, on a, at least a good team. Um Moving on to Finland, and Finland is the team to watch if you want to watch draft eligible um, player at this tournament because they have a lot of them. So we're going to start with a goalie. Brad, you will love talking about Emil Vini, one of your, uh, I don't know if I want to say favorite, but most, uh, he might be your favorite as far as entertaining goals. (laughs) 
<laughs> I was going to say favorite is a strong word choice, but entertainment value is definitely there. Uh, email Vinny. So in a podcast recorded on Hockey Prospect, I talked a bit about this. I'll, I'll mention it briefly, which is that he's a very interesting goalie in the sense that he he's reminding me a little bit of a goalie that actually burned me, burned me to the ground. It's actually my screensaver on my phone, so I remind myself how hard this is every day. That's Jakob Skerek, where Jakob Skerek looked really good at 16. And then because of that, I got really excited for his draft season. And then he performed horribly internationally. And I was like, I don't care because I loved him at 16. And he's a lifelong lesson as a result of that. Um, Emil Vinny's performed better than internationally, though, than Skerrick, which is one of the reasons I bring it up. Uh, but in terms of development curve, one of the strangest I've ever seen in a goalie. At 15, he's playing up in U20 Saru. That is incredibly rare for any goalie. And then when you look at his performances, it reminds me of a similar situation to his fellow Finn and a forward in Atu Ratu, who's now a Vancouver Canuck. Uh, Atu Ratu is slated to be a potential top five pick in his draft. Things obviously didn't work out that way. And he started to uh, peak early in his development. That is the question mark with Emil Vinny. Is he just a freak athlete and he just is what he is now and, and he's and he's already peaking uh or is there a lot more development to be done i think i i think we i hope to get some answers at this event a little bit of that but i i don't know we'll see if he actually plays um but if he if he does play uh what you should look for is a phenomenal athlete who's hyper reflexive who's prone to putting himself in bad spots he's he's a goalie who who works basically the opposite of Jesper Wallstead or this draft's Pavel Moisevich, where uh, they let pucks come to them. They usually are not the result of why a goal goes in on the initial shot, where Emil Vinny can definitely put himself in a bad spot and then what should be a routine save no longer becomes one, and you're dealing with chaos all over the ice, which is what Jerome was discussing when they had entertainment value because he can definitely uh, definitely <laughs> fly around in the crease a lot. So uh, he's been better in Mestis recently which is the second-tier pro league in Finland to, for our listeners. Um, but it's very difficult to grade his game-to-game consistency in a league like that because uh, Finland as a whole has this issue with goalies. The shot volume is not a lot. And when you have a reduced shot volume, you usually have a reduced amount of high-danger shots that you get to actually assess as a scout, uh, which is exactly the issue I have with any Finnish goalie. It's the issue when you have when you have Russian goalies who come over to Finland, like Daniil Tarasov, Vadim Zarenko initially, so they can get used to a smaller, quote-unquote, field of the game because they deal with traffic, right? Um, that traffic usually clogs lanes. It usually leads to a reduced shot volume. So it's going to be very interesting to see if he plays. If he does play, I hope he gets a ton of shots. I hope he goes Adam Guyan 101 so I can get a, a lot of volume and to figure out what he actually is yeah in a funny way like i was you know when i watch him and he's so athletic and he's so like it almost looked like you know when mark andre Fleury is playing really bad <laughs> this is this is almost like like a, a very poor 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 version of this but it reminds me of like sometime Sometimes some goalies have too much athletic ability, which makes absolute no sense to for me to say this, but they're so completely out of position. They're too aggressive. And one thing about Vini that I've noticed watching him in, in different tournaments is um, I don't think his team is very confident when he's in the net. Like he doesn't, some goalies are, you know, let's say carry price. The team is super confident playing because they know what they're getting. They're getting out of their goalie. Vinny is like it's like he might make the best save of the night on one sequence, and the next sequence he's gonna you know give up a really bad goal. 
Um, so I'm really, I'm really high on goalies that gives their team confidence. And I have not seen that from Vinny, um, honestly, like the past two years. Um, but he's such a good athlete that maybe at some point he's going to figure it out. Um, but he's not, he's not there yet. And I'm like, I'm like you, Brad, I'm, I'm hoping he gets some playing time uh, over there. I don't know if that's going to, I don't know if that's going to be the case. Um, the second player out of Finland, and that's one that we didn't really expect him to be on that team three months ago, four months ago, is uh, Jesse Polkinen. Um, he's one of the best stories of, you know, as far as like uh development curve that we've seen uh, this year. Um that's a six foot six defenseman that played um junior in Finland last year. Didn't really, you know well, he went undrafted last year, first of all, didn't really produce and then comes back this year and just destroyed the Finland junior league. I think he's I think he was close to two point per game as a defenseman, um, a bit of not exactly something we see every year in, in Finland. And now he's playing full-time in, uh, in the Liga and he's doing really well. Um, he's an interesting one. Um, very poised, very, very poised with the puck. Sometimes too poised. Um, he is um, not afraid of anything. Um, he might, he's a really good puck handler. Um, not afraid to try to beat pretty much every single player on the ice with his uh, puck skill, his stick handling. Um, but there's something about this player. I, to me, there's a very good chance that after this tournament, a lot of people are going to talk about this is a potential first round pick. Um, his progression also is uh, how quickly he adapt to playing in the Liga this season. Uh, from, from a guy who came out of pretty much nowhere last year has been a really nice surprise. Um, and, you know, six foot six defensemen with really good box skills, very good poise. Um, usually NHL teams are all over those guys. Um, he has some, and he's not, you know, he's six six. And I mean, he's not Liam Bisco, but he's not afraid also physically to. Finishes it and you know move guys around. So very interesting player, very interesting story. Um, and um, you know, I think he's. I think we talk about year check. This is going to be a year check. It's going to be a huge tournament for him. I think it's the same thing for Polkanen. I think a lot. He's going to open a lot of the highs uh, in Sweden and over the over the holidays. Yeah, just I'll, I'll keep it short. You, you talked to, uh, went over most of what he is. The the thing I'll say for us is we are looking to see if he can keep up with the pace of play and match the urgency of the play. And if if he can do that and if he can quiet his game down a little bit, he does a lot of experimentation when he was in U20 Saria. Uh, there was a lot of that. He's quieted down in league in Mestis. We want to see more of that even at this event. And then, again, pace of play, matching the urgency, uh, defensively being responsible and aware and can he um, when when there's a, a huge amount of a pressure applied to him off the forecheck how does he handle it right how does he get his exes his outs how does he how does he deal with that so that's what we're really looking for from him if he answers that correctly if he if he does really well with those things at this event then 
then he's very, very intriguing because there's a ton there. It's a ton of upside. Very interesting package. Okay, next guy from Finland, Vivi Lyson, another defenseman that is draft eligible. Um, Brad, I'll let you start with uh, Weissenden. Uh, sure. So Weissenden's game, nothing like Polkinen's. Uh, is is one of those uh, more like two-way puck-moving, clean, efficient, more vanilla-y style of game that you, you really want to see from him. Um, he's not, I'll be honest, he's one of those player types that kind of worries me now. You know, you look at the, the trajectory of the game and, the, and the, the way it's heading, you get a ton of these offensive defensemen that we're talking about this year, like that Galvez, Zane Perrick, and smaller guys that have already made it. And when you look at what they need is it's always, they, always, they need an insulator, which yes, Polkinen could theoretically become if necessary, right? If things go right. Um, and that that's that's the sport now is you get a dynamic offensive, basically fourth forward when you need them. And then you insulate that with usually a toolsy monstrous defenseman that can intimidate and physically impose his will on another player. Uh, that's And because of that, players like this are getting weaned out of the game. That doesn't mean they can't exist. Right. Uh, but it, it means that there there's not going to be as many of them, uh, which would which is why I think we're a little more hesitant on a player like this. Yeah, I think he's kind of like, you know, he's not small, but he's not big. Uh, he's not really offensive, but he's also not really a shutdown guy. Um, his hockey sense is fine, but there's also, I saw a lot of like decision-making issue uh, playing in the Liga this season. Um, I don't know if that's the, I don't know if he should have played in the Liga early on in the season. Um, maybe the Mestis could have been a, a better place for him. But, you know, overall, he's kind of, he's kind of like, um, like like you said, there's, there's few, fewer guys that look like him in, in the NHL. Um, you know, his best asset is probably skating. Um, but it's not, there's nothing dominant about um, his game and how that will translate to the NHL. It's a bit of a, concern for me um so yeah he's been a bit of a, a tough one for me to, to scout this year um i've not been i think i like him a lot more last year um than this year this year it's been mm, like very average um in most of my viewings and he's also like you said he's a bit vanilla like he's like basically there's nothing dominant about his tool tool toolkit. Um and you know if he was six foot three it, it'd be six three, six four, it'd be a different story. But at six feet, one hundred and seventy pounds, you know, there's not many guys like like him. Um so he needs to to you know well he definitely needs a, a really good tournament to a, a bit of a you know, bounce back a bit from a, a, a poor start to his season. Um, and, um, and yeah, um, the next guy is one guy who has not had a bad start this season. It's Kunsta Elenius from uh, Eucharist. Um We're both big fan of him. Um, he's been, uh, actually, he had a bit of a slow start, like, offensively in the, in the Liga, but he really has turned things around in the last two months, I think. Uh, and he was great at the U20 in uh, in November. He's such a he, – he might be one of the smartest players in the whole draft. Um, very 
good compete, uh, sees the ice well, uh, really good playmaker, and you know maybe something that not enough people talk about with him, like ish shooting skill is really high end. Um, so for for a smaller guy, like he doesn't shoot the puck like Connor Bedard, obviously, but for a five foot ten guy, he really shoots the puck at a high level. And uh, he's one of our favorite in this uh, draft class, and I think he's going to have a, a pretty big impact on, on Finland at this tournament. Yeah, I, I think his impact will be high. You, you look at the hockey sense, you look at how fast he can adapt to league play in Liga. Like, it's just there's nothing missing. He just plays a 200-foot game. Obviously, if he was 6'2", 6'3", that wouldn't hurt him. But he knows how to take advantage of his leverages at his size, right? He knows how to take advantage of being a bit smaller, uh, which is what you want. It's what you, you know, it, it's actually easier in some cases to stick lift and turn a player inside out if, if you're smaller because you can get underneath them quicker. Uh, it's easier to be able to take a hit off the board, spin off pressure, and still maintain balance trying to find a playmaking option, right? So it's not all bad if you're a bit smaller. You know, we don't want to come across if we want every player six spot. Doesn't, again, if doesn't hurt if they're bigger usually, but Consolanius knows how to deal with being a smaller center. Uh, he's a dual threat. As Jerome said, the shot is extremely impressive mechanically. I think his his goal scoring rates will actually go up uh, further in his career as he gets more comfortable with actually just not always trying to make passing plays. I find especially internationally, he tends to always try to be the the driver on his team and tries to set up his teammates and tries to incorporate them. Uh, I'd like to see him just kind of take over things a little more often with his shooting ability because it's that good. Uh, it, it blew me away, to be honest. You know, I remember watching him live at the U18s and trying to get a general sense of what I thought and then coming into this season. And, and the main thing I thought was, okay, he's a primary playmaking center. And it's like, no, he's not. There's so much more to this kid. It's just he's untapping all of it uh, in in league. And the, the one thing, too, I'll always say this. If you see a kid who's playing up in a decent to good pro league, there's always more than below the hood. Or usually, I shouldn't say always, but usually there's more below the hood. And especially when it comes to this type of player, this is a high caliber player. It's a blue chip prospect, essentially. So there's there's more there that we haven't seen. I want to see if he can draw that out the U20s. And the other thing I'll mention about him is he's built for North American ice, despite being a bit smaller. He's got that Marco Rossi quality where he's thicker and he has no problem taking contact. He has no problem absorbing contact. He has no problem giving out contact uh, and, and knows how to do it pr- pr- pretty well, too. So uh, this should be a huge huge tournament for him and he should he should be pretty dominant i wouldn't be surprised i i can't wait to see uh um how he does when we match up like him versus uh celebrini theoretically it'd be very interesting to see them together yeah uh the last guy from finland and you mentioned when elenius does play internationally like in november he was paired with emil emming on his line and emming is a is, like his job is to shoot the puck basically he's a shooter uh so Obviously, we get it. Elenius will try to feed in a lot of uh, good pucks in, in in you know in good space. Um, so Emming has been um, you and I have had quite a lot of conversation about him this season, um, and I think I'm coming around on on what your you know first evaluation of him was. Um, I think I think it's it has something to do with Finland and also. Sweden, uh, the the junior leagues are not like the best, and I feel like in Finland, like it's it's very the pace in 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 the junior league is very slow, and aiming to be to be fair is not, not like the fastest doesn't have the fastest pace for for a player. So those two mixed together in in the junior junior league was not the best, I think, at least for me, 
for my evaluation. Um, but once he moved to the Liga, you know, there was, there was, it was fine. The, the pace got better. Um, he got, you know, he made this, a, a smooth transition to uh, what is, uh, what, uh, it's TPS, right? So TPS Turku. Um, and th that's, his game is pretty simple. You know, he's a, he's a good size winger. Skating is, is fine. Uh, it's not awesome, but it's fine. Um, but he can really shoot the puck. That's that's his thing. He's a bit of big. It's not as good in his draft year, but it's almost like Alexander Olds like um, similar body type uh, and similar shooting ability. Olds was better, um, definitely. Um, but uh, I think Gaming is a really solid, you know, first round potential, like easily top twenty on their list. Um, and um, yeah, I think um, I think it's been like I like him a lot more. I like him last year, and then the start of the year I was a bit down on him, and then I think the last two months I've I have turned the corner a bit on on him. But we have had a, quite a few uh, discussion about about him and how we you know ranked him uh, over like our different list that we've done. Yeah, he's, he's a difficult evaluation because the high-end version of these types of players is like Philip Forsberg, and then there's like Alexander Holtz, and then the low-end version of these players are players that never play. <laughs> so it's like the spectrum is is there's risk here, right? Uh, you're dealing with a complementary sniper, and usually what you need for them to be able to hold at the NHL levels, they either develop a 200-foot game, have an ancillary skill set, or they become a dual threat. Right, Philip Forsberg has done all those things. That's why we talk about Philip Forsberg. Alexander Holtz is starting to rev up his pace of play, which was one of Hemming's issues earlier in the season, right? So it's about can he maintain that pace at an NHL level when you're going north-south and transitioning constantly, especially in a system like the Devils, right? Uh, that's the situation with Hemming is, is does, does the skating, does his mental energy, does it afford him the opportunity to keep pace? Nothing is better for determining that than, than the U-20s. The U-20s will give us everything we need to know about what this kid's willing to be, right? So it's it's a very big tournament for him, uh, very good shooter. I like him off the forecheck. I think he's improving. The The big thing with this kid, I, I rarely say this, but I honestly believe it with this player. He's a compliment right now, but his handling skill set is fantastic. He's a good good enough skater, as you said. He's got a good frame. I think if he can learn to protect a puck, and and quiet to just stay maintain poise. I feel like there's an opportunity for him to drive possession at a much higher rate than he currently does. I wouldn't mind seeing if there's a bit of that starting to develop. It hasn't yet, but could that start at the U20s? Could it start after the U20s? That's that's one of the questions I have for this player long term. Because if he does show a bit of driving potential that hasn't really been there, but theoretically is there or could be there, then then there's there's real opportunity for him. Yeah. Um. Germany is up next, and they have one player. Uh, I have very limited viewings on him, so I'm not going to comment too much on him, but I remember him from the Elinka tournament uh, over a year ago. But Paul Mayer, uh, defenseman, uh, plays a bit a bit in the DL this year, so Brad, I'll just let you uh, go on him. Sure. So he plays an Adler-Mannheim system uh, for our listeners. That's uh, the same system as Tim Stosler came from. It's a high-end system. Uh, they have money. They, they have a good rank. They have a, they have good everything. Uh, so this player, one of the oldest players in the draft, 
which stands out to me because this is the youngest draft I can ever remember. So anytime I see an older, older player for the draft, September birthday, uh, after September 15th, he's September, I think 28th off the top of my head. Uh, it, it stands out, but he's six two. Uh, he's his actual listing, which also stands out because no players, their actual listing. They're always usually an inch or two shorter, unless you're Victor Nushiv and you decide to the five inch rule, decide to be, <laughs> decide you're six two when you're actually five, ten and a half. Um, but, yeah, so he's actually 6'2". He has a good frame, solid foundational skating base, not a, an explosive skater, but mechanically he's fine, good posture, coordinated, what you look for in terms of being able to defend in transition. Uh, can keep players to the outside in, league, in the DL already. But the, the core aspect of this kid and the reason I think he gets drafted is the same reason I thought J.J. Moser was going to get drafted. Uh, but I think Janice Jerome Moser showed actually more offensive potential at the same age. Um, but it's... It, it, Going back to what I was about to say is um, his puck retrieval skill set's fantastic. This is a very inventive and creative puck retriever. Uh, when four checks attempt to hem him in or put him in a position where he only has one option, he will find a way to get himself a double option or triple option play. And that's what you want. You want a player to show some creativity. You want to show dynamic evaluations. You want to see him process the play at the speed necessary to be able to, to bring that skill set uh, up a level. He can do those things. So he's very vanilla at the line. He's very stationary right now at the line, but this goes back to the fact he played last year in in against men as well. So it's he's playing the DL two, he's playing the DL. What happens is you get the Marco Casper effect when that happens, which is there's usually more untapped offensive potential. It takes them longer for it to be drawn out. Now, is he ever going to be? I'm not saying that he's you know some sort of dynamic player. He's ever going to draft it near the spot where Casper is. That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying when you look at a player who's 16 and they're playing pro, it takes longer for whatever their offense is to draw out. So we need to spend more time, even though he's older, to see if he can draw out a little bit more of his offense. And where should you do that? Well, you do it against your own peers. You do it in your own age group internationally. He hasn't shown it yet. I've watched four games of him internationally already this season. Hasn't shown it yet, but hopefully he shows a bit more at this event because the base is there and there's, I'm, I'd am i be very surprised if he's not at least a draft. Hmm. Uh, moving on to Latvia, um, I'm going to start with uh, Eric Smatico. Uh, he plays in the queue uh, for St. John. Um, we're at the Christmas break here, and I don't think anybody that follows the queue would have predicted that he would have a better point-per-game ratio than Maxim Massey. So um, <laughs> it's a bit of a – it's been quite uh, – uh, a unique season in the queue for the, the draft eligible. Uh, Manico, this is his second year uh, in the queue. He plays for St. John. He played at the U18 last year. He was, I believe he was Latvia captain uh, at last year's tournament. Uh, huge kids, 6'5", 210. Um, you know, at his size and where he scores his goals, you know he's going to get drafted, you know. I would, I would, I could make a very easy prediction that eighty uh, percent of his goals have been scored from five feet for the net. Uh, I think he, we, I like players that really understand their role. I think he understands his role that he's going to score goals around the net. You know, five, three, five feet for the net. Um, you know, is the guy is going to. He's gonna bother the goalie on the power play. That's that's his game. Um, you know, he's got other value. I think he's a pretty good penalty killer. Uh, he's got a really good stick. Uh, he works hard. Um, he's got to improve the skating a bit. But for a six-five, two hundred ten pound, eighteen years old, I think it's it's not too bad. 
Um, still, he's got to work on it, but it, I've seen worse. <laughs> Let's put it this way. Um, he's um, so the, the transition game is probably a bit where he's lacking a bit right now. Um, so he definitely needs uh, someone on his line that can be the, the one carrying the puck. Like in, with St. John, Peter Reynolds is the the guy carrying the puck on his line. Um, so um, Fumatic will continue success. He's going to have to, well, if he's lucky, play with someone who can be a, you know, more of a line driver on his line. And he's going to have to improve, uh, you know, the skating, the puck skills, the, the, the passing skills. But he's he's an interesting one. Um, um, he has a, a more of a complete game that probably I I I thought he had early on in the year. Um, and he's making good progress with Saint John. Not a good team, um, so he's not. You know, Pedro Reynolds is a good Q player, but outside of that, he's not playing with like a star-studded lineup over there. So um, the second player from Latvia. Is Krister uh, Urbanovich, um, Brad? Yeah, so very raw, shutdown type of defense. He's been placing Carpat system. He's getting limited minutes, which makes our evaluations that much harder because first year eligible getting limited minutes in the U20 league is very, very challenging. So uh, my hope is he just gets enough playing time. That's the first step. We can get more playing time, really understand how he actually uh, defends. So um, I, I have limited viewings as well uh, relative to most of the other players I've seen. But from the little I have seen uh, internationally, he's just he's he looks he looks the part of just a stay at home shutdown defenseman. But again, he's young. He can make a first pass and he uses his frame occasionally the right way. So can he draw off that? Also, his skating, uh, the skating base should hold. And that, that's a huge part of the U20 tournament, as you know, right? Pace of play goes through the roof. Transitional game goes through the roof. I think he should be able to hold in transition. We'll see how he does. But that's a huge part of it for me, too. How does this transitional rush defense hold at this level? Because if you're going to be a shutdown defense, that's going to be one of the hallmarks of your game. and That's going to go a long way to determine if he makes our list. Yeah, and there's one last guy from Latvia who actually plays in Sweden, uh, Daryl Olzinskis. Olzinskis. So Olzinskis is... Um, an AIK system, which is one of the weakest systems in J20 right now. He's a top three scorer on his team, uh, which is very impressive when you consider he's a, a first year eligible defenseman. Uh, the, the big thing with him is he's very raw. He's an uh, early birth, so he's he's almost a year younger uh, than the German defenseman we just talked about. He's he, I believe he's a September was he September sixth birth Jerome. He's he's close to I think he's a week or two. Uh, from eligibility next year so uh we got to give him a lot of time to cook but he's a 200 foot raw defenseman uh who has a very good wrist shot you know surprising surprising goals this season he has a good catch and release he has good team recognition from the line and occasionally he really looks like he could develop into a player uh the big thing with him for me is that very raw defensively in turn in in determining some of his reads and the other aspect to him is that his outlets are all over the map he can be very inconsistent when it comes to his outlet playmaking. He can force plays. He can try to stretch the length of the ice when he can't do it. He can he, there's sometimes where he doesn't recognize when there's an opening or not. Uh, so there, there's a whole lot of work to be done in terms of his of his playmaking consistency rates and just cleaning up uh, how efficient he is when it comes to his first pass. But uh, again, one of the youngest players in the draft, six and a half foot frame, solid base to work around, well-rounded. It's going to be very interesting to see how much playing time he gets at this event. Yeah. Uh, moving on to maybe your favorite team of the tournament, Brad, Norway. We uh, we have mentioned this before. We we think it's really cool to have Norway with some really good draft eligible 
this this season. So they have four on a team. Uh, we'll start with possibly our favorite player in the whole, in the whole draft class, uh, Stian Solberg. Um, Brad, I'll let you start with uh, Solberg, who has been uh, red hot lately. Yeah, well timed. Huh? We we get our list out, and he he goes and scores a couple big ones for us. Uh, the, so I'm in the minority in general of this, even on our staff. I think right now, which is I, I have Stein Solberg as the best Norwegian in this class. I think he's I have him ahead of a Brantsik Nygaard. I know that's probably haven't seen that very often, but he's he's a throwback from the '80s. He's as rare as it gets mentally. He he makes it so difficult to play against. He's he's a menace. He's a Tasmanian devil in front of the net. Like if you want to get to that front of the net, you're going to get cross checked three times. He might punch you. <laughs> he's he's a pretty crazy player. He's like the defensive version of another player I love called Oleg Mistranko, who who we call the red uh, the the raging bull. He puts players on notice very very quickly. Um, player comp. Uh, this is Jerome's comparison. I completely agree with this wholeheartedly. He is basically Alex Romanov, but I think. I think he has more untapped offense than Alex Romanov. And one of the main reasons I think that is because Alex Romanov would sometimes fail to use his lateral agility. He'd remain too stationary and he'd fail to find his playmaking options that at, at a high rate is specifically in his draft year where I feel Stion Silver's already ahead from that perspective. So I, I think, I think there's a little more untapped offense. And when you look at his defensive ability, it, it projects to be bordering elite in the qualities that you look for when it comes to playoff hockey specifically. You want ferocity, you want tenacity, you want you want the hit rates to go through the roof, you want players to be put on notice, you want players to be uncomfortable, and he can do all of those things. The big thing for Sion Solberg at this event for us is retrieval rates. And uh, you're going to hear us say that a lot because they really matter, and for Solberg there's no no, no different. Uh, he We really want to see if his if his hockey sense can can hold here at the U20 tournament in terms of being able to process the forecheck correctly and and uh, do it correctly. So if he, if he can, then I feel very very solidified with my interpretation of him where if he fails in that regard, then maybe I got to eat some crow or so eat some pie here and, and, uh, and throw him behind Brancic Nygaard. Yeah. I mean, breaking news. Uh, I also have him over Brancic Nygaard. We're currently working on our new list that will be released on Christmas day. So uh, we'll see if the final ranking, that's what happens. But I think me and Brad were, in agreement with uh, the potential of Solberg. And one thing that is really interesting, he's one of the more physical players in the old class. Um, he, he took three penalties in 25 games this season, which is kind of insane when you actually watch him play because it's tough to find a more intense, more uh, in-your-face type player in this class. Um, he's... If you play against him, you have to be aware because he's gonna find you. Uh, if you have your head down, you're you're in trouble against that player. Um, I've seen him rock a few few guys in the Norwegian league, and you know he hits like a truck. He's not he's not Liam Biskill, but he's like a smaller version of Liam Biskill. Um, and obviously, the Romanov comparable, I think, really fits perfectly for him. Um, he's got the same level of energy that Romanov uh, had um, in his early days in Montreal, you know, super energetic. Um, and he's, I think his skill level is underrated. Um, you know, I'm, I, early on in the year, I'm, I was thinking more, uh, I feel he's probably going to be like a good number five D, but 
the more I watch him uh, in the past month and a half, more I think the the top four potential is is there to, you know, we have to take this seriously. So that's why he, on my personal list, he's been uh, moving up uh, because I more and more believe that um, there's a chance he's a top four D when it, when it's all you know with it's all said and done. Um, so an interesting player. Um, we mentioned him, Michael Brancic, my guard. Um, not that he's been a disappointment. Maybe we overranked him, you know, at the beginning of the year or, or last year. But it, this has not been a, a fantastic season for him. I think he has. Um, he's playing in the second Swedish league, uh, and it has been a bit of a, a struggle for him to really make an impact in that league. Um, he's he's one of the older players in, in the draft. He's a he's a late birthday. Um, physically, he is ready for the pro game, but he has not made a huge impact in in that league. Physically, he has. Like he's he's one. I don't know what's what's in the water in Norway, but every I feel like every player from Norway that we've scouted are really tough to play against, and they are. You know, in your face type player. Um, Nygaard is is that. You know, one of the first game I saw this year, he had on the same shift, I believe, like three big hit, um, one one big reverse hit. And if people know me, I love players that throw like Peter Forsberg like uh, reverse hit. Um, so he's definitely an easy player to like, but the the the, the skill level, the the passing game. Of this player has been a bit of a, a letdown this season. Um, I still think he, I still think he shoots the puck well. I think I still think he's got like decent ends, but he's it's gonna take a lot more than what he's shown so far for us to to rank him high and you know to project him as a top six. It's just not not in the in, not in the it's not it's not happening for him so far. Um, another player, this tournament is huge for him. Um, he is. Um, he should be the, his team best player, um, at least offensively, and with Solberg on the back end. Um, so yeah, huge tournament for him. Um, and you know, maybe a, a somewhat of a you know, it's time for a bit of a bounce back, um, you know, performance from him after a bit of a slow start. Even in the Sweden Junior League, it's not been. You know, we wa- we saw him last year in that same league, and we don't see a lot of uh, progression. You know, you like to see progression from year to year, and we're not we're not really seeing it so far from him. So it's we're definitely gonna keep you know our eyes on him at the at this event. Third player from Norway, Matthias Delhi. Uh, Brad, I'll let you go on, on uh, Delhi. Sure. So Matthias Delhi, he is. A six foot two right shot center. So everything checks out on paper. That is what we look for as a scout. Uh, he can skate relatively well. Uh, as Jerome alluded to with every other Norwegian, he is built for North American ice. He is a physical, physical center. It's no problem playing, uh, against the walls and, and, and making life difficult and, and trying to use his leverage advantages, stick lift, stick tie up, drawing opposing players, knock them off balance, do whatever he has to do. So in silly skill sets there, the 200 foot game is developing. There's a grittiness and determination to him. So those check out. The big question mark with this player 
is how much offensive potential is actually in his game. And I don't mean, is there enough for him to be a top six forward? What I mean is, is there enough for him to actually translate as a depth center at the NHL level? And my answer to that is, right now, I have no idea because he's been mostly injured. He's only played, I believe, 10 or 11 games now. And uh, there's a lot of games where he's not getting to touch the puck too much because he's on the worst team in the league. So he's on the worst team, and his minutes aren't great, and he doesn't have a lot to work with. So occasionally he'll do something where I go, that's what I need. Like he'll do a double clutch uh, holding play where he's poised and he finds a lateral option and threads a pass through traffic. I'm like, that's the play I need to see from you. Or occasionally have a high end shot where he he looks and finds the right seam and and shows velocity and good mechanics. I'm like, okay, we got a base to work with, but it's inconsistent. So this is an enormous tournament. As you mentioned with Branson Nygaard, where I totally agree. I think this is a massive tournament for Branson Nygaard. I, I think Branson Nygaard right now is arguably the most overrated player in the draft. I would characterize him as a scout killer because you look at the frame, you look at the competitiveness, you look at what he can do along the boards, you look at his puck protection skill set, and you go, oh, and the skating mechanics and shooting mechanics, you're like, that's a player. And then you start peeling the layers back, peeling the layers back. And the, he's not a very smart player. He's showing a lot of problems with his intelligence on the ice. So with Delhi, that's not the case, though. With Delhi, he's showing intelligence, but he has not shown enough of offensive threat to, to justify putting him too high in a ranking. Uh, we have him as a C grade right now. Uh, this tournament will be massive for determining what we do with him on this next list for obvious reasons, or not this list, but the, the one after this, um, because this will be the first one really you ever get to see him against his own age group. Yeah. Um, there's another Norway defenseman that we're quickly going to mention, Ludwig Lafton. Um, Brad, you you have seen him more than me, so I'll, I'll let you uh, just talk about quickly about him. Sure. So Ludwig Lafton, he is a pleasant surprise. Uh, that would be the way to characterize him. Six one, a solidly built defender, um, skates relatively well. Uh, there's some coordination catch up he needs to do. Uh, that hopefully by the end of the season we see. But uh, he's he's more of a 200 foot defenseman that his game is based off his poise. He does not mind staying in possession. Uh, regardless of pressure, and he's done pretty well with that. And the the difference between him and the German, I keep forgetting his name. Jerome was the German we were talking about earlier. I'm so old right now. This is <laughs> new new list like slows me down so much. It's so hard to keep up Paul, with everybody. Paul Mayer. Paul, Paul Mayer. Paul Mayer. It's, you know what? It's not Russian enough for me. That's why <laughs> I've forgotten the name. So Paul Paul Mayer. Paul Mayer's game at the line is stationary shooting vanilla. Right. This kid isn't that. This kid shows poise. He shows lateral agility. He shows the ability to sidestep. He shows the ability to use lateral cutbacks in, in combination with his handling. And he, he uses off looks. So there's deception that's incorporated within his skating base, that's incorporated within his exaggerated postural fakes, that's incorporated within his hands. And what does that mean? It means that there's an interesting raw foundation where he can be a lot more than just a shot at the line. And if the defense holds, then you get yourself maybe a 200-foot player. I am very interested to see what he looks like at this tournament. I think for sure he's a draft. Uh, I'm going to make sure he's on this next list we got going here. Uh, and th- there's a lot there's a lot of interesting untapped potential with this kid. Yeah. Uh, moving, on, moving on to Slovakia, uh, one player I'm going to mention, because I've seen him quite a few times this season, is uh, Peter Repsic. So he's uh, a bit like Sibulka that plays in Vador. He's a third-year eligible player. He's from the same hometown as Uri Slavkowski. They're both childhood friends since they were six years old. Um, this is a player who came to North America at 17, but maybe it was too soon for him. Um, he was drafted by Lebridge 
went there, things didn't work out. They cut him. He went to Cape Breton in the queue. Things didn't really work out. Uh, then he got traded to Charlottetown. And then, so the interesting part about him is that he played in last year's uh, World Junior. And he was a really good player for Slovakia. I believe he was tied for first in scoring for the for the team. And for people that follow the queue, they didn't really know much about him. Like he he came to the tournament, I believe he had like 10 points in 25 games with Charlottetown. So people didn't really know much about him. And then he was really good at, at that tournament. Um, so that kind of opened some eyes on, on him. He had a good second half of the year. Um, so he had six points at the tournament. He finished the year with 22 points in his last 30 games um, season and playoff with Charlottetown. Over the offseason, got, he gets traded to Johnville, and he's been their mostly their most consistent forward this season. Um, he's, I think he almost has 20 goals right now. He's closing on 40 points. So a really nice story. Um, he's a hardworking uh, forward. He's, he's got a really good shot. He's got good hands. Um, he was really good on the PK in last year World Junior. That's one thing I, I remember a lot about him uh, was his play on, on the PK. Um, he's a pretty complete player. The skating is a bit, you know, average. And obviously, you know, he's 19 years old. So, um, you know, he's a lot more... Um, he has developed a lot more than the if you compare to like the 17 years old in in this draft class. So that's always the 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 challenge you have when you're you're ranking and you want to draft older players. Um, so you have you really have to know the the, the backstory of those players. Sometimes it's just a late bloomer. Sometimes there's a switch that that you know turns on for as far as like sometimes it can be about their off ice. Um, how uh, how are they train in the off season, or it can be like um, the skating really improves. So you really have to do your homework on on those older players. Um, so I think he has a chance, decent chance, maybe to be a late pick in this year's draft. Um, I mean, if he's fantastic at the World Junior, I think he's gonna open a lot more highs. Uh, so he's an interesting one. Um, there's also another Slovak. Slovakian, and he's the youngest player in the in the whole tournament. Uh, Luka Radijovic. I'm a, a bit struggling with that name, um, but I remember his dad. His dad Brenko was a good player in the in the NHL. Uh, Luka is completely different than his than his father. He's a small puck moving defenseman, um, smart. Um, he's about five ten, I would say. Um, he's playing in Sweden. With uh, I believe he's with Orebro system. Um, he's he's a 2007 born. He, I, I believe he played one or two SHL game already. So, and uh, Slovakia they don't have a lot of really good defensemen in this year's tournament. That's probably the weakness of their other team. Um, you know, Simon Nemec is playing in NH in the NHL right now, so very unlikely they're gonna have him for the tournament. So. You know, there's Max and Sturback, but after that, it's just, you know, a, some just okay player coming back. I think they have three defensemen coming back from last year's team. Um, so I think Luca might get 
some pretty good ice time. Uh, I saw him in November at the U at the U twenty tournament in Czechia, and he was playing twenty five minutes a night. So I'm kind of expecting expecting him to to be um, at least probably run their power play um, with Slovakia. That's that was his role on that November uh, team. So I don't know much you've seen in Brad, but um, um, not much. Not much. Well, you're gonna have a pretty good chance to see him uh, coming up uh, in uh, a week. Um, moving on, Switzerland. Uh, Leon Mugley. Uh, I'll let you uh, talk about Leon Mugley, who has been, you know, red hot in the past month for uh, his team. Yeah, we um, we messed up. <laughs> That's what we did. We messed up big. So uh, sometimes, you know, you you get an initial impression of a player and you know, again, it goes back to what scouting is. You got to wait and see. You got to keep watching. You got to keep updating. You got to keep go back. It doesn't matter if the kid looked a certain way for two or three or four games. Wait a couple months. Go back and see what the, if there anything has changed. Because, well, for us, when we first saw Leon Mugley, we saw an average-sized defenseman with an average or so skating base who was doing a whole lot of nothing. He was there, and it was impressive that he was already up in the National League, and he was at least holding. It didn't look like he was out of place. But he wasn't doing anything to showcase a skill set that had us excited about him as a prospect. Fast forward to this last month, and Jerome and myself ended up watching him together. And we found out very quickly that Leon Mugley was a whole lot more uh, than we initially thought. There is a considerable potential for this for this kid to develop into a 200-foot NHL player, I think. So the, the big thing that stands out with Mugley in terms of growth rate is that he looks like he was kind of in the background of games to start the year. Now he looks like he's actually trying to assert himself in the fabric of each game. And what I mean by that is that he seems to know how to support correctly now, get pucks back for his defenseman, uh, his defensive partner. He knows how to put himself positionally in position to receive passes better. He's showing the activation potential now, and he's a completely different beast at the line. In our first evaluation, he was much more stationary. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot there. Now he's starting to really showcase a much more well-rounded offensive skill set. He's much more active at the line, and he is absolutely going to be a riser on our list uh, coming up here, and he is very likely to be an impact player here for uh, Switzerland at the U-20s. Yeah, it's funny because uh, he was the captain of uh, Team Switzerland at the Elenco tournament, and he was playing uh, with Daniel Ustinkov. Um And it's funny, like, um, both guys can kind of, we think of that more hype coming into the season as Mugley. And I feel like they both went in different direction as far as development goes. Mugley just kept improving. And we think of as just not, we all thought we think of was going to be the guy playing full time in NLA. And Mowgli might be a more of a junior guy, uh, more of a junior in the junior league. And it's been the opposite. You know, Ustin Kov has been going back and forth between NLA, the Swiss league, even in some sometimes the junior junior league. And Mowgli is just, you know, he's a he's becoming a really good player in that league. Um, I think I saw like stats. I think he has like seven points in his last ten games. After like having something like one point in his first 15 games, so I think he's he has figure things out in that league how, what works and what doesn't work, and um, really impressive player in the last uh, month and a half in that league. Uh, as far as Ustinkov, I think just the hockey sense is starting to, you know, uh, 
earning his game a bit too much. He's such a good skater. He's a really good athlete, but you know, sometimes it looks like he doesn't know what he's doing in his own zone with, with the puck under pressure and it's just hurting it's hurting him and it's it's definitely hurting him like it's it's stopping him from playing in the NLA and um he's another one of those guys. This tournament is gonna be huge for him. Um I'm curious to see what will be like his uh his uh usage at, at the tournament. Um but big tournament coming up for him. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I'm sure to some of you listening, it's how could Leon Mugley be ahead of uh, ahead of Vustinkov when Vustinkov is such a gifted skater and you could make an argument he's more talented. You, you could make that argument. Uh, the problem is that, as Jerome said, Mugley's curve has gone through the roof here and he's showing the ability to adapt quickly at the National League and he, he looks like a very smart player, very well-rounded, and very intelligent. Daniil Ustinkov is making glaring issues, glaring, glaring problems all over the ice in terms of just decision making. His decision making has been all over the map. And one one of my big issues with Ustinkov right now, and this is huge for the U20s. I look forward to seeing it. I don't like his defensive pacing. I don't like how he defends. I think he for for a smaller defenseman, the way we do it here at Hockey Prospect is the larger you are, the more range you have the less you have to play at a higher pace, right? You can use your range, you can use your size. And just because when you're bigger, obviously conditioning plays a factor, right? Unless you're a freak athlete like Andrew Miller, it's going to play a bigger factor. So for us, the smaller defensemen, they better keep a pace like Galvez has. Now, Galvez keeps a heck of a pace, at least defensively. Ustinkov doesn't, and, and that, that's a huge issue. So let's see if he can increase his pace here and hold it. And let's see if he can actually hold defensively because that, that could go a long way. And if he can quiet his game down and just, just make simple, more efficient plays, that could go a long way to determine what, what he is right now in this draft class. Because uh, I'm like you. When I watch him live at the Holinka, the first thing that stands out, what a beautiful skater, right? Brilliant skater. So much potential within that skating. But unlike Mowgli, who's learned how to apply himself, I feel like Kustinkov hasn't. So let's see if he applies himself a little better here at the U20s. Yeah. Last guy on Team Switzerland. Uh Yamiro Reber, who has a, is a center slash winger that plays in Sweden for HV71. Um, yeah, I think he's a good player. I don't, I just don't know how much that's going to translate, uh, for the NHL. He looks more like a guy that's going to have a, a really good career in, in Switzerland or, you know, Sweden or wherever he decides to play. But I, I don't, I, I have a hard time you know, projecting him for the NHL. That's why he's not been on our list. Even though, like, he's not playing awful, awful in uh, in Sweden. He just, you know, he's a he's a good skater. He's an average sized player, but I don't know. I, I don't. I think he's a bit too on the plays too much on the outside. I feel, and um, not not he's not one of those players that I think. This game will will translate well to uh, smaller highs and obviously the NHL. Yeah, good European pro uh, plays the game stylistically. This is not a talent comparison. I do not think he is no Austin, but stylistically, he works very similar to Austin. Likes to control the center of the ice when he's in in transition. Likes to feed off his uh, passes to his teammates. Very slippery. He's small, he's diminutive, but he takes advantage of that with his edge work. He's difficult to read at times with his skating. But in terms of like actual potential for the NHL, uh, it's it's limited. It's limited. Yeah. Um, we're now with Team USA, and we have one player remaining, um, Zev Bium. 
Um, he's been, I don't know if I would call it the biggest surprise of this draft class because we, you and I, we, his brother is Shia. We love Shia in his draft. Love year. the booms. Yeah. <laughs> Big fans. When we first saw Zeev, like, we're like, well, he skates better. He's more physical. He doesn't have his brother size. And, you know, we like him right away. And I thought he played pretty well for the U.S. last year on the national team. But I didn't I didn't see him as a first-round potential last year. Um, that was before he went to Denver, where he's making me look a bit bad <laughs> uh, with the, the kind of season he's having this season. I didn't think he had this uh, type of offense in him. Like, even last year on a really good U.S. team, um, he didn't really produce, like, that much. He, he produced well, but, like, even what they call up, Colossal, he lost some of his part play um, role on the team. So, um, really impressive player this year at Denver. Um, obviously, if you if you're a stats guy, you just look at his stats. You 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 would be pretty impressed. Um, and he's going to play a major role on that team USA. I think the you know they have a lot of good pop mover on the, on that team. Obviously, Lee Nutson is one. Seamus Casey is another one. But I think uh, Bune will, you know, will uh, be right in that top four grouping. Um, I think maybe a Ryan Chesley might be a good a good D partner for him. Um, very impressive player. Um, very much much better than what I gave him credit last year. And that's a that's a lesson all scouts have to learn is you keep watching those guys because they will improve. Or they might not improve, but you need to be aware of this. Um, so if you don't, if you if you think you have a player figured out, that's error error number one. Because players will always, you know, uh, evolve as a as the year progress. And um, really impressive season so far by by Bune. Yeah, I mean, I, for me, it will always be Wyatt Johnston. I remember watching him in his draft year. And I was like, oh, he's not that impressive, U18s. He looks jankier. His skating's not as good. I don't like him as much. He's gone backwards. And, well, <laughs> good pick, Dallas. Good pick. Uh, so, yeah, it happens. Uh, you got to keep watching. Uh, so this player has been fantastic. He He's not obviously not an ideal with his size. If he was 6'3", 6'4", he's top five all day. Let's just let's just get that out of the way. If he was that big, he'd be top five all day. Uh, the the hallmark of this kid's game is his ability to process play dynamically in real time. Like he is so fast at processing play. He just the speed. He's two steps ahead. He just thinks the game two steps ahead. He's faster than the opposing team in terms of determining reads, determining where they are, positioning relative to him. His spatial awareness is fantastic. His ability to read off his own teammates is fantastic. Uh, very good at making stretch passes. Uh, so it's it's one of those situations where when you when you see him at the surface level and you look at the toolkit, not that impressive. He, his skating's fine. He's not that big. It's He's okay. And then you look at his talent level. His talent level's good, very good, but not like completely amazing it's not dynamic it's not like it's not Rasmus Staline or, or Quinn Hughes out there Kel McCarr but then you look at how he thinks and that's that's the defining trait that's where he that's why he's over point per game that's what makes him a bona fide rated player um and that uh that should be on display here that should that should keep him uh at, at the top here in terms of his ability to uh to uh be one of the top I think he should be one of the more dominant players um uh, 
at the U20s in this draft eligible season and in, in at least the 2024 class. So looking for big things from him. And and to Jerome's point, one thing I'll, I'll mention is, again, smaller players, we want to see them be able to defend. He's more than willing. Very physical when he needs to be. Very tenacious, high energy, high pace of play. Should, should, should project a hold. So th- those are the things to, that, that stands out about him. And he should have a dominant U20s, I think. Yeah, and he's also going to play on a really stacked team. Uh, you look at their four group, it's really impressive. Like the top three line is a bit ridiculous, to be honest. And their their defense, like they have a lot of good puck mover, as I said. So uh, I'm curious to see what their power play is going to look like because they have a lot of options uh, forward-wise on, on the back end too. Like Leonardson is really good. We all know that. Um Seamus Casey also really good. So there's a lot of a uh, lot of option, but I think uh, I think Bume is gonna like you said. I think of all the draft eligible player, he might he might be the one who has like the the best you know best tournament. Um, this is gonna wrap this uh, episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, big thanks to Brad for all your your insight. Always a pleasure talking uh, hockey with you, Brad. Yeah, absolutely. It's always fun. I love being on here. I'm glad we're doing a little more for our listeners. We're trying to get more podcasts done. We'll try to keep it up to date. Um, so to just to conclude, just a quick reminder, we um, if you we have a platinum pass on our website. So we do uh, shows like this for, for our members uh, sometime. We did a few, few weeks ago, me and Brad did like a close to a one hour podcast on on 10 players that were that we ranked between 33 and 64. Uh, Brad also did a solo podcast just talk, just talking about all the goalies in this draft class. Um, well, actually, is, there's a lot of goalie missing because apparently there's more goalies. Tons <laughs> uh, of goalies. Yeah. Tons of goalies. There's goalie appearing uh, left and right in this draft class. Like, pretty crazy depth as far as, like, goalie goes. Um so basically, um, visit hockeyprospect.com. We, um, the Platinum Pass gets you all those podcasts, all those player report we have, um, articles. Um, also, you get the free, uh, free the, the Black Book for free, basically the PDF version for free. Um, just like we, I call it the Bible of the NHL draft. Um, so we put a lot of work in that and and you get this uh, PDF version uh, free with a platinum pass. So we uh, we really appreciate it if uh, some of you actually subscribe to our website. And uh, just for more details, check out hockeyprospect.com. And also you can subscribe to this YouTube channel. Uh, we also will really appreciate it and, uh, and probably do a lot more of those uh, videos. So thanks for joining us and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon.